focus on headline. All right, let's take a look at what major issues are making the headlines today on Focus on Headline. For this, joining us in the studio, our usual Wednesday reporters, Handan and Lee Ji-young. Guys, welcome back. Good, Good evening. evening. Um, I don't know how you guys feel about uh, winters and cold temperatures, but I'm uh, not a big fan of it. Uh, did you guys have any hard time coming to work today because of the, the weather conditions? No, not necessarily. The roads, thankfully, weren't as icy right. as mm-hmm. I thought. And uh, the traffic was actually... Okay, as well. It was well. actually not that bad, yeah, yeah. actually. Mm-hmm. And, and did you drive here, uh, Jiang? Yeah, I did drive. But it's just, you know, maybe I'm just complaining. But just from the uh, the parking lot to the building itself, <laughs> was, it, it was it was not. I was like running like Usain Bolt yeah. on the way it to you. Cold? It was so cold. It was so cold. I was power. You saw me. I was power running. Yeah, it was, it was really, really cold. And especially because I come to work uh, really early to Arirang. And uh, when you're trying to uh, start the ignitions to your car, and it goes for about a good five seconds. Six seconds before it turns on and you have yeah. to heat up your car that is because we saw some really frigid temperatures uh, and of course uh, not really appreciating it uh, especially because many of our listeners uh, uh, many of the citizens here in south korea returning to work after that long solar holiday temperatures dropping to below 20 degrees celsius that's negative 20 degrees Celsius. Uh, this, in fact, damaged facilities, uh, freezing water pipes, heavy snow in Ulungdo and Jeju Island, disrupting uh, flights and ferry operations as well. Tan, you're going to start us off with this uh, frigid temperatures that we've been experiencing here. Right. Up to 70 centimeters of snow piled up in Korea's eastern island of Ulungdo due to heavy snow from yesterday. According to Central Disaster Headquarters, Ulungdo saw over 75 centimeters of snow, while parts of the southern regions, including Jeolla Province and Gwangju City, saw over 10 centimeters of snow, not to mention how Jeju Island was battered by heavy snow as well. Uh, Heavy snow advisories have been lifted in uh, most of those regions, but forecasters say another round of intense snowfall is expected in the central regions from late tonight through to tomorrow afternoon. Nearly 140 cases of broken water meters and power meters were reported across the country due to freezing conditions, nearly 100 of which were reported here in the capital. Some areas also suffered power outages with nearly 60 households in Daejeon seeing electricity cuts while 40 households in Uijeongbu, Gyeonggi province had to shiver in freezing temperatures from 5 p.m. until midnight uh, yesterday due to abrupt power cuts. Due to the heavy snow that was concentrated in Jeolla province and Jeju Island, all flights flying in and out of Jeju were canceled, leaving over 40,000 passengers stranded. Local airport authorities plan to operate over 500 flights until 1 a.m. tomorrow to help stranded people return home as much as possible. Nearly all ferry operations uh, stopped yesterday, but around 100 of 150 ferries have now resumed operations. About a dozen ferry routes connecting Incheon and major ports in Jeolla province still remain suspended. Roads have uh, also been blocked in mountainous regions due to heavy snow and for safety reasons, with climbing trails at major national parks, including those in uh, Mount Seorak and Mount Daejeong, being shut down. Cases of cold-related emergencies and diseases also soared due to record-level temperatures. One 
man in his 80s was found unconscious at a parking lot in Chincheon, North Chungcheong Province, and was moved to a nearby hospital. Uh, but he died as extreme cold complicated his underlying illness. Traffic accidents also continued with a five-ton truck colliding with a nine-ton truck on icy road, killing one and critically wounding another. Again, uh, we've been seeing uh, very extreme ends of uh, the weather conditions, uh, not just here in South Korea, but in many parts of uh, the world as well. And I think uh, just before we're experiencing this uh, frigid temperature uh, here in South Korea, we had a relatively warm uh, few weeks uh, before this hit. Uh, But again, it's been a day or so. Uh, A lot of people returning back to their regular work schedules here after that Lunar New Year holiday. Uh, Again, we're seeing this part cold front uh, some of the lowest temperatures we've seen this season uh, even Seoul hitting negative 17.3 degrees Celsius on Wednesday you add the wind chill obviously it feels uh, a lot colder uh, with that Jiang, the big question now is how much longer will we be experiencing this cold uh, front well, SJ, uh, cold wave warnings were issued across Korea on Wednesday, and a cold wave warning is issued when the morning low is below minus 15 degrees Celsius for more than two consecutive days, or even when the temperature drops sharply, which could cause major damage. Now, we don't get a lot of cold wave warnings, especially in Seoul. Mm -hmm. And according to the records from the Korea Meteorological Administration, since 1904, there have only been 173 days when the lowest temperature in Seoul has fallen below uh, 17 degrees uh, minus Celsius. Now, most of them were before 1980, and there has been a total of nine days since the year 2000. Now, along with the low temperature, even the wind has been really, really strong. And this morning, uh, the perceived temperature in Seoul dropped to minus 24.7 degrees. Now, compared to the northern parts of Gangwon-do province and Gyeonggi-do province, Seoul is relatively, and I'll say again, relatively warm, mm. with the temperature in Cheolwanggun in Gangwon-do falling to 25.1 degrees Celsius, while the perceived temperature dropped to minus 28.3 degrees. Now, the freezing temperatures uh, were accompanied by heavy snow in the southern parts of the country, including Jeju Island. Now, more snow is expected throughout the day with more than 10 centimeters in the west coastal area of Gyeonggi and between 5 and 10 centimeters in mountainous regions in Jeju-do Island. But fortunately, the temperature will gradually rise late in the afternoon and it's likely that the um, temperatures will start uh, uh, going a little bit warmer from today. Yeah, I'm just looking at uh, the weather uh, forecast for the next week or so. It is expected to snow uh, in the early mornings of tomorrow. Mm -hmm. And uh, there's always uh, big concerns when it snows because, again, with the freezing uh, conditions, there's going to be icy roads, uh, which leads to obviously a lot of accidents out there. So if you're out on the roads tomorrow morning, uh, to do tread carefully, it seems like the temperatures are going to go up a little bit, uh, although the weekends are going to be pretty cold. Uh, but I mean, again, it's it's 
end of January is supposed to be very cold. Uh, but obviously, South Korea, uh, not the only country gripped by the extreme cold wave. China and Japan also seeing readings dropping to the lowest levels in decades, is what they're saying. Uh, Donna, explain to us what exactly is causing such extreme weather conditions. Well, for those of you who have been interested in climate change and the causes of extreme weather conditions, I'm sure you've heard of the term jet stream. Mm -hmm. Experts say that pretty much all the weather that we experience around the northern hemisphere in the wintertime is caused by fluctuations in the path of the jet stream. Now, the jet stream is a narrow band of fast-moving air that surrounds the Arctic cold air in the north. Now, though it generally travels from west to the east, the jet stream can weaken and become kinked and wavy. And those waves can lead to colder or warmer than normal weather by allowing polar air to spill southward or warm air to push north. So in the case of South Korea, China and Japan, a weakened and wavy jet stream dipped further south, sending cold Arctic air of minus 40 degrees down to Russia and China and all the way down to South Korea and Japan as well. And as expected, global warming is to blame for the weakening of the jet stream. The stronger the jet stream stays, the more effectively it contains the cold Arctic air in the north, preventing it from spilling southwards. But um, climatologists say that warmer temperatures in the North Pole are weakening and softening the jet stream, which resulted in the extreme cold wave here in Asia. Now, what's also quite noteworthy is that the wavy jet stream doesn't only bring extreme cold wave. As it draws cold air down to mid-latitude regions, other regions that sit on the left and the right side turn to high-pressure areas, and they see unseasonably warm weather, and that was the case of Europe. That's why Europe is seeing unseasonably mm -hmm. warm winter, while we're now seeing record-level cold. The cold wave in Korea uh, has somewhat eased this afternoon, but forecasters say the cold snap will be back this weekend, with a reading uh, expected to fall below minus 10 degrees Celsius again. Japan is also expected to see the coldest days this week in a decade, while China's northernmost province of Heilongjiang saw temperatures plunge to minus 53 degrees Celsius, the lowest in the country's history. I can't imagine minus 53 degrees. I'm sorry. I, I'm struggling with this negative 18 degrees Celsius uh, temperatures <laughs> that we saw today. But yeah, we're seeing just opposite extremes right now. You mentioned Europe as well. I had a chance to speak to my family uh, over in New York, and they're seeing like it's a sweater temperature right now. It's mm -hmm. like something like about 15 degrees, positive 15 degrees Celsius. Uh, one of our listeners uh, who tunes into our program on a daily basis, uh, Jenga, who's in Syracuse. Syracuse, New York, during January is some of the the worst weather conditions you'll ever see. Mm -hmm. And she was saying that it was, it was something like in, uh, was it, what did you say, Jenga? It was like 20 degrees Celsius, you said it was? And that's ridiculous temperatures uh, for Syracuse, New York here. So obviously... 
I know there's people out there who don't believe in more climate change and, you know, global warming and things like that. I don't know. This is all evidence of all this. Uh, speaking of which, uh, back in 2021, you had four activists from the Green Party crashing POSCO's uh, hydrogen, iron and steel making form uh, started urging the industry to take action on combating the climate crisis. Again, this was back in 2021. The activists, uh, they were each charged with $3 million worth of fines. But what's interesting is that their penalty was reduced after they appealed in the higher courts. But, uh, Chiang, can you tell us how much their fines were reduced to? Because three... Oh, is it three million one? Sorry, Sorry take that. Three that million a, one. Yeah, that was a, a typo. I, I thought three million dollars was. <laughs> no, no, three million one. Sorry, that was a fine. Three million one. <laughs> I was like three million dollars for that. I, I I might not be fighting for climate anymore. Uh, three million one, uh, which is uh, about uh, less than three thousand U.S. dollars mm-hmm. here. So, uh, well, how much was the fines reduced here, and why did the judge make such a decision? Yeah. Now, on January 11th, Judge Ha Jung In from the Seoul Central district court fined 2 million won and 1.5 million won respectively for the two of the four Green Party activists charged with trespassing and obstructing business operations and the other two with each 1 million. Now on the day of the event Lee Eun-ho who's Green Party's co-chairman of the Climate Justice Committee and activist Lee Sang-yeon they suddenly stepped on to the podium and made a statement urging the industry to actively respond to the climate crisis. And they were both dragged out by the staff and after a minute into their speech. Now, activists Kim Young-jun and Moon Sung-ung, they filled the entire thing and then distributed the video and statements on the internet. And that's what they did and that's what they were charged for. Mm -hmm. Now, the court partially recognized the validity of the activists' claims and the legitimacy of the urgency of taking action on climate change. Now, the judge stated that if we apply the population ratio of each country to the global permissible greenhouse gas emissions calculated to prevent the world's average temperature. Now, it's uh, so that would be that that would be to an average to increase within 1.5 degrees. That's at the moment we're over, I think, two degrees and he wants it to lower 1.5. Now, it is possible to practically prepare for the climate crisis, which is coming now. uh, However, considering the climate crisis will be a very difficult thing to recover from once the tipping point is reached, sending a message that the industry and government must put in a much higher level effort than they already could be, uh, that the judge thought would, would be redundant. So he stressed that if the global temperature rise does not slow down, the whole world is likely to face an irreversible climate crisis, which is undoubtedly caused by man. Now, experts say that the judiciary has acknowledged and ruled that we're experiencing climate change and that the latest rule on the climate activists will be a historically significant precedent. So maybe other climate change activists that do uh, protest 
protest or do demonstrations, uh, we don't know if there are, there's going to be a slap on the wrist like this this situation. Th- that is insane. Can you imagine that? Uh, you were fined that much uh, back, uh, what is it, uh, two years ago, and then mm-hmm. the judge basically goes, oh, you guys weren't wrong with this. I mean, we're definitely going through a, a climate crisis, and so you had all the rights to uh, kind of fight for this, and so we're going to be bringing down uh, the, 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 the fines of this. But uh, look, I think, you know, uh, Mark, who joins us in our program later in the show, we talked about this before. I think there's right ways and the wrong ways to kind of deliver the message that you want to mm-hmm. uh, in regards to climate change. Uh, there are those that kind of go on the extreme end there. I'm not a big fan of that, to be honest with you. This doesn't seem like one of those cases here. Uh, but aside from the extreme cold wave, another topic that took center stage during family gatherings of the, uh, the Lunar New Year holiday was the surge in electricity and gas bills. Uh, Tan, tell us more about this. And did your family kind of sit around talking about uh, the, the gas bills and, and electricity bills as well? Oh, I'll get to that story in a bit. (laughs) You know, this is not the government's official tally, nor the latest data from Statistics Korea. But according to various sources, an average household living in a middle-sized apartment in Seoul saw their monthly housing maintenance fees, which include the cost for heating, go up by up to 200,000 won. Various news reports show that many took to social media to post about their record-level electricity and gas bills, while others made calls to apartment service centers to double-check if the numbers on their bills were correct. <laughs> the majority of people have seen maintenance fees that we call kwalibi ranging between 200,000 to 300,000 last month, but the figure jumped to the 500,000 range in January. And uh, this, of course, must have been quite a shock. Mm-hmm. And as uh, to answer your question, SJ, you know my husband can get very grumpy and very Scrooge-like when it comes to cutting expenses. And then he he was like, he comes to me one night and he was waving this kwalibi, uh, the maintenance, <laughs> maintenance fee bill. And he almost shouted at me saying, what on earth happened? You know, we've been using the same electricity, the same heating system, and suddenly the cost doubled, more than doubled. Mm-hmm. So he was like, it really took us by not, surprise. Not your fault whatsoever, though. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. But um, what about you guys? Was, was that the case for you, too? Uh, n- well, nobody <laughs> waved the bill and said, what's wrong with you, woman? <laughs> nobody said that, but uh, we were surprised. And actually, we did, because ours, d- uh, actually... It, it, it was more than doubled because we moved uh, t- uh, last month. Mm-hmm. Well, I moved into a, an apartment so uh, with uh, with somebody already uh, uh, living there. So mm-hmm. uh, after me moving in, yeah, and uh, it's it's a little bit about two point three times more. Mm. So yeah, uh, this this was the hot topic. This was that was uh, the the topic that we talked about. Our entire family talking about this. Uh, on uh, Seollal. Right. So we could, you know, South Koreans are certainly beginning to feel the brunt of the, mm-hmm. ele- the public utility fees that were raised yeah. constantly from last year. And uh, of course, as I said, this is due to the raise in public utility fees that occurred for on four separate occasions last year with gas fees rising to nearly 5.51 per megajoule and electricity fee jumping by nearly 21 per kilowatt per hour 
last year. But South Korea had no choice but to raise those fees amid soaring global energy prices due to the prolonged war in Ukraine, which led to huge operational deficits at Korea's major energy companies. The raise was foreseeable, though, mm-hmm. as South Korea is the world's third largest natural gas importer. And Unfortunately, another round of big rate hikes are expected in the second quarter of this year. And under such circumstances, the government has vowed to freeze rates at least during the first quarter of this year, uh, during the coldest months, and provide financial support for the most vulnerable to help cover heating costs. Up to 195,000 won will be handed out in energy vouchers to those in need this year. I live in a really weird uh, apartment. I don't know. I I have nothing to complain in regards to this because, you know, when uh, people buy uh, houses or they move, decide to move, one of the things that they look into, where is the the house facing, right? Mm -hmm. And so we call it Namyang, I think, which is south, Mm. facing the south, uh, which during the day, it's you have the sun that comes in and it warms up the apartment. We don't turn on the heater whatsoever during the day, and it's warm. It's, really? Yeah, it's super warm. And so uh, our gas bill nice. went up, yes, because only because of the rates went up, but it's not like we're using more uh, gas because we're turning on uh, the, the, the heater more because of the winter. See, we're only turning it on during the, the, the nighttime, uh, and so nothing's really mm-hmm. changed. And so it's lucky for me, uh, to be honest with you. So this is not really a topic that I discuss, but you know what have been what people have been talking a lot uh, during the <laughs> Lunar Year holiday uh, is the real estate stuff, right? Uh, we had some people in our family who who bought in and their 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 prices are going mm-hmm. down. Uh, there's people who want to buy but they don't know when the right time is to buy and things like that. Uh, the decline in the market, the rising interest rate. I was complaining about the the rising interest rate. Uh, all of this have started to reflect in the, the official land value as well, Chiang. Yeah, that's right. And uh, actually, the appraised value of land and detached houses in Korea has fallen for the first time in 14 years uh, since 2009. Now, this year, the official land value, Kungshika, uh, uh, fell by 5.92%, and the official house value fell by 5.95%. Now, by region, last year, Seoul's official land value actually rose 10.21%, but this year, it fell negative 5.86%. And actually, all local governments such as Busan, Daegu, Sejong, uh, where the official land prices rose by 10% last year, they all turned to a downward trend. Now, uh, this Uh, was the official land value. Now, with the official house value by region, this also saw a downward trend where Seoul had the steepest drop uh, from 10.55% last year to a negative 8.55% this year. Now, experts say that we're likely to see Seoul's official housing value drop some more into the double digits this year, so it's not looking so great. Now, In the midst of the real estate market downturn, the government lowered the realization rate of 
uh, publicly notified individual land prices to the level of 2020, which uh, is expected to ease the burden of real estate ownership tax. But will this revive the market? Uh, that's just going to be a different story. See, that's the thing, though. A lot of people were complaining about how the real estate prices were you know, so expensive and they wanted it to dip down. And now that it's dipping down, they're all complaining because what happened was everyone, you know, FOMO, right? People, you know, fear of missing mm-hmm. out on buying these homes at near zero interest. Uh, during the, the the peak of the COVID nineteen pandemic, and mm-hmm. uh, you know they buy it at peak, and they're gonna. I've worried, I, I said interest rates are gonna go up. Once interest rates goes up, uh, real estate prices are gonna go down. That's how it works naturally. And now uh, you're gonna see a lot of people now uh, complaining about the the you know the lowering of the the lower real estate prices. But of course, for those that are still looking to buy homes, uh, obviously good news. Uh, but the big question is how much further can it go down, and when is the right place, mm-hmm. uh, right time uh, to go in here? Uh, we got some good news. Uh, for special type workers and freelancers. Uh, We are all, of course, freelancers Mm -hmm. ourselves. Uh, The government plans to offer more income tax deduction for workers in the group uh, from next month. Good news here. Don, give us the details of this. (laughs) Don't be too excited because I don't think this applies to USJ. The special type workers subject to the tax revision include delivery workers, home tutoring instructors, designated drivers, and other freelancers with an annual income of less than 36 million won. So that doesn't apply to you, does it, SJ? Nor you. I don't think any of us is going to be making a cut. (laughs) And from next month, up to 80% of their income will be tax-free. The finance ministry announced today it'll revise the enforcement decree of the Income Tax Act this year and raise the ceiling of annual income subject to tax-free benefits from the current 24 million won to 36 million won. So if a freelancer earns 20 million won this year, up to 80% of the income or 16 million won will be tax-free. And the freelancer can also apply for various other tax deductions for the remaining 4 million one as well if eligible but the percentage of tax-free income varies among jobs for instance delivery workers will enjoy the highest percentage of tax exemption of up to 80 percent while the percentage will be 75 percent for home class instructors and around 73 percent for designated drivers Mm. the government projects some 4.2 million workers across those areas as well as uh, freelancers and other platform workers will enjoy a substantial amount of tax tax benefits from this year. The revised enforcement decree will be promulgated and implemented at the end of next month after a legislative notice and a cabinet meeting. But the government will also tighten its screw on business owners to track down how much they actually earn. It plans to closely observe credit card records and mandate cash receipts to prevent tax evasions. That's right. All right. Well, it might not affect us, but uh, obviously good news for uh, many of the people out there Mm -hmm. who could certainly uh, use this uh, tax break. Uh, Moving on here, following uh, really what's been a public ruckus uh, with the presidential office, uh, former ruler ruling uh, People Power Party lawmaker Nagyong Won 
uh, announced that she will not run for party leadership uh, this in March. Uh, ji uh, tell us what, what's the latest on this. Yeah, now many believe that the People Power Party leadership elections could be a political comeback for Na Gyeong-won if she wins the position. Now, the four-term lawmaker who was a leading potential contender recently had a run-in with the Yongsan presidential office, which is widely believed to support uh People Power Party representative Kim Gi-hun as the new party, party leader. Now, but at a, a press conference on Wednesday today, Na said she will courageously put down the leadership bid if it could mitigate public concerns over an internal divide and conflict within the party. In other words, she expressed that she took down her hat in the race to help bring harmony and unity to the party. Now, Na's use of the the word courageously appears to highlight her willingness to embrace the potentially negative impact on her political career. Now, the former floor leader said that she plans to embark on a journey towards a new future and solidarity based on the spirit of sacrificing oneself for the party's interest. Now, Na also called on the party to make use of the opportunity and restore the people's livelihood. And she ended her press conference by wishing the success of the party and also the Yoon Sung Yeol administration. I will say this: say this. Uh, this is not going to be the last time we'll hear about uh, Na Gyeong Won. Na Gyeong Won mm-hmm. is it has long been known for making a comeback. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Always makes a comeback somehow. But uh, now that Na Gyeong Won is out of the race, uh, it's likely that the PPP lawmaker and former presidential candidate An Chur Su and Kim Gi Hyun uh, will be the front runners of the party leadership race. And I think the last time that we checked. Uh, the approval rating, uh, Kim Gyeon was leading the approval rating, followed by An Cheol Su, and then it was Na Gyeong Won. Mm-hmm. Obviously, Na Gyeong Won now out of the race here. Uh, but again, it's one of those things. It's not over till it's over, kind mm-hmm. of a thing. It is very close here. So, do you think Na's decision will uh, to bow out will ultimately affect the party election, though? Well, uh, when it comes to Kim Gi-hyun, who is known, as I mentioned uh, by the media, by President Yoon Sung Yeol's pick, um, now. Uh, Now, he's convinced that the traditional supporters of the party will support him and turn their backs on An Su. On the other hand, An was confident that he could draw the party's support for the presidential election with the goal of winning the general election. Uh, And uh, I also brought in a survey um, that was uh, asked uh, 2022. 200, over 200 adults nationwide. And this survey was conducted on the 22nd to the ter- t- 23rd during the Lunar New Year holidays by YTN. Now, these people who were asked these questions were PPP supporters. So among the PPP supporters, uh, they had Kim gi had the most support, as you said, with 25.4% and An Su with 22.3% and Na Gyeong-won with 16. 9%. But those are when the three people were in that race. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to a one-on-one race between An Su and Kim Gi-hyun, uh, An Su was in a really, really, really a good uh, good ahead uh, with 49.8%. Oh. And Kim Gi-hyun with 39.4%. Oh. So that was quite interesting. Now, the most concern for the two candidates is, of course, 
former lawmaker Yoon Seung-min, who, Yoo Seung-min. Yoo Seung-min, so who absorbs the non-Yoon party members and um, also the people who support you are in the double digits inside and outside of the party. So we have to think about that as well. But pundits say that if Yoon would have wanted to take part in the race, he should have been making big moves or at least announce his candidacy by now. So he really doesn't have that much time to make an impact on the, the party leadership elections, which will be held in less than two months. So pundits are saying that, nah, he, nah. he's going to do what he should have done already. Yeah. It'll probably be a two-way race between yeah. Han yeah, and Kim. Exactly. And also, uh, because, you know, the PPP kind of changed the way that the voting system is in place for the party leadership, right? That's I think right. using me in... Using me in, I, I think, legitimately had an outside, a uh, pretty good shot uh, yeah. before they changed up the, the voting process here. And so I, I think, you know, because you is considered the, the non-Yoon p- member of the PPP, which sounds really weird, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so he's kind of the outsider there. And I think within the Yoon people, they were trying to block him out uh, from coming in, uh, potentially, and which is why they changed up the whole uh, the, the election process for the party leadership here. So it's definitely going to be a two-way race here. But it is interesting now that Nagyong won bowed out, <laughs> that Anchar Su take. So it kind of shows that a lot of the, the, the Nagyong won people are now uh, supporting Anchar Su right. uh, at this time. Mm-hmm. Uh, so... Very interesting race here. We'll see what happens. Uh, in the meantime, we'll move on to other stories here. A Chinese hacking group has launched a cyber attack against 12 South Korean academic institutions. Uh, the group, which claims is unrelated to the government, has notified in advance that it will hack dozens of Korean websites. Don, what do we know so far in regards to this? The Korea Internet and Security Agency said the attackers hacked into the websites of 12 institutions Sunday, which included Korea Research Institute for Construction Policy, some departments of Jeju University and the Korea National University of Education. Most of the 12 websites are still unavailable for access. Some of the websites that were attacked show a generic error page, while others show a message presumably devised by the hacking group. On the Korean Academy of Basic Medicine and Health Sciences site, the group identified themselves with Chinese characters reading Xiao Qi Ying, declaring that they have invaded Korean internet. The agency said the Chinese hacking group had warned of a cyber attack against multiple South Korean agencies, including the uh, the KISA, the agency itself. But the internet watchdog site was not affected. The Chinese hacking group, identifying itself as the cybersecurity team, claimed it had successfully compromised the computer networks of 70 South Korean educational institutions around the Lunar New Year holiday that began last Saturday. The group also warned that it will disclose 54 gigabytes of data it claimed to have stolen from South Korea's government and public institutions. The Ministry of Science and ICT asked government agencies and individuals to stay vigilant against rising hacking threats. Science Minister Lee Jong-ho visited the Korea Internet Security Center on Tuesday to check on the security posture against possible cyber attacks. The hackers claim that they have seized all authorities of those websites. But the science ministry said today that other than the changes made on the front page, no real risks were found on the affected websites. The government analyzes that the hackers were aiming to create tension and boast their capability by targeting websites with relatively weaker security systems. Although their exact motive uh, remains unknown, officials believe that they were aiming to show off their capability by you know, setting an exaggerated target range of over 70 
websites with a provocative tagline that read, as uh, aforementioned, Declaration on Invasion of the Korean Internet. Uh, boast their capability by targeting uh, weaker security systems. If you want to boast your capability, you kind of attack the, the higher risk uh, security exactly. systems. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, I mean, this is not good. And uh, I, I feel like there's going to be some tiff or tap move here. As you know, there's a lot of uh, hackers here in South Korea. But uh, these are. Uh, very concerning, especially when it gets broken into these uh, government uh, websites here. Uh, in the meantime, a local university uh, professor has claimed that nine North Koreans working in Russia had defected to South Korea last year. Uh, ji can you tell us what this story is all about? Sure. Now, uh, Kang Dong-wan, who is a professor at Tonga University and also the head of the university's Busan Hana Center, which supports North Korean defectors, told Yonhap News that a group of men in their 20s to 50s arrived in the country last month. Now, he said that they are currently receiving training at a settlement support center run by the Unification Ministry and said that the laborers include soldiers in their 20s and loggers in their 40s and 50s that had worked in Russia for many years. Uh, Kang also said that uh, they decided to defect to South, to South Korea following the Russian invasion of Ukraine. Now, Radio Free Asia um, also earlier reported that North Koreans working in Russia are believed to be seeking an escape over fears that they could be sent to Ukraine's war-stricken eastern region. Meanwhile, the National Intelligence Service and the Unification Ministry in Seoul have both declined to confirm the reported defections. So, um, but it is uh, pretty much uh, right, uh, right what the um, Tawan University yeah. professor said. Uh, just finishing things off here, a Hong Kong registered cargo ship carrying 22 crew members members sank in the southern waters off of uh, Jeju Island during the early mornings here. Uh, 14 being rescued. Uh, unfortunately, search continues for uh, eight members still missing. Uh, Tan, let's get the latest developments on this. Well, aboard the ill-fated ship were 14 Chinese and eight Myanmarese crew members. The ship, named Jintian, was a 6,500-ton level cargo ship carrying wood that departed from Hong Kong. 14 crew members were rescued, but nine of them remain unconscious. Those rescued are likely to be transported to Japan's Nagasaki for hospital treatment. The Korean Coast Guard is conducting a joint search and rescue operation with Japanese officers for the eight others still missing, deploying patrol ships and aircrafts from both sides. The ship sent out a distress signal at around 3 a.m in international waters some 150 kilometers southeast of Sogipo City in Jeju, according to the Coast Guard. The ship was completely submerged when the Coast Guard arrived at the scene. Uh, Coast Guard officials said the ship appears to have gone down when it sent the distress signal via the emergency position indicating radio beacon, an emergency locator system. It was found the vessel transmitted its first distress signal through the digital selective calling system at 1.45 a.m. In the last satellite phone call with the Coast Guard about an hour later, the ship's captain said they would abandon the vessel and all crew members would go off board according to officials. And the weather conditions uh, certainly doesn't help uh, there. Uh, hoping for a miracle, obviously, with this uh, search and rescue operation there. Guys, thank you very much for your report today. Please uh, drive safely back home. We'll see you guys again. Thank you. See you. 
You can listen to Korea Now with me, SJ Lee, by downloading the Arirang Radio application or tune in online by visiting www.arirangradio.com. So make sure you tune in Mondays through Fridays, 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. Korea time.